What is happening? Welcome back to the show. This is Creating Space. This is a leather goods edition of Creating Space. On the other line here, I've got Eric Holmberg, owner, creator, founder of J Stark. It is a leather goods company based out of Charleston, South Carolina. And this guy is the epitome of attention to detail. I'm not kidding. If you go ahead and look at any of his goods, you can see the blood, sweat, and tears that are literally spent on every single edge, every single corner, and every single stitch. Eric Holmberg, I'm so excited to bring you on to Creating Space. What's happening, my brother? Not too much. Thanks for having me, Wes. You know, it's exciting because when I met you at Lululemon Hike, it was so interesting to to watch you because there wasn't much that you said. You were active in every scenario, but you kind of fell back to the wayside. And I had a feeling that there was a story behind that. And I want to get into the depths of that mindset. Let's talk a little bit about how your uh, company is based off of something that's so ephemeral, right? But so necessary in society, these leather-made, handmade goods and how that correlates to kind of the person that you are. Yeah, I think I've talked about it with you a little bit on the hike. Um, and I hate to sound so trite, but um, doing what you love for a living is is kind of the difference between waiting to die or actually living, to be honest with you. Uh, love it. My background's in computer science, and that's what I went to school for, was gamefully employed, doing well. But at the end of the day, I just realized that that wasn't something that fulfilled me. And, you know, I wanted to spend those eight to 10, 12 hours a day doing something that I truly loved. And so that began a search for something else, a new hobby that eventually turned into this two and a half years later, uh, a bag and leather goods company. What did that search look like? Because for me, it looked, it looked like trying to become a real estate agent. It looked like getting out <laughs> of a paddleboard and practicing that, being an artist for a short amount of time. What did that kind of look like for you, that transition? It sounds very similar, to be honest. And, uh, you know, you try a bunch of things and eventually those hobbies, um, one of them sticks out and it finds you and you find it sometimes at the same time. Uh, before this, I wanted to be a photographer. Right. Uh, so I traveled around the country building a portfolio. But by the time it came to start my business, I just didn't have the connections and didn't have the drive that it took to really get that off the ground. Um, but when I started working with leather and started sewing bags, it was a different story. I was willing to spend whatever time it took, nights and weekends, to to really build that up and make it my profession. There's something about that energy that you get when you um, connect to, to your passion and you feel something inside of you just blossoming, this love. That's, at the end of the day, it's just this love and admiration for whatever it is that you deem as your next alley, your next passion project. What was it that was your first opportunity with leather goods that gave you that, that feeling that gave you that notion? <laughs> uh, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. I had a couple products that I wanted to buy and I felt like maybe they hit, you know, you had a lit uh, check mark, 10 check marks that it needed to hit, but it was only hitting like six or seven. And I thought, well, why don't I try making this? So 
I picked up some leather and picked up some thread, picked up some needles and started stitching it on nights and weekends. And it was absolute shit. (laughs) 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 It was the worst. I wouldn't even show it to anybody. And uh, I set it aside. I was like, well, that might be another hobby that I don't fully dive into. And the more I thought about it over the next coming months, I realized that I didn't have the right tools and I didn't have the right leather. So I went back at it, got different leather, got some better tools and finally made a wallet that I felt really proud of, something that I would actually show to someone and give to someone. And when I gave it to one of my friends at work the next day, I was like hooked instantly, instantaneously. I saw the look on his face, the way he held it in his hands. And I was like, that's it for the rest of my life. I want to make things and connect with people through them, physical things. Not I digital. love that. I love that. And it, it, it's not so much your ability to, you don't put such a, an emphasis on connecting through words and, and you allow a lot of what you do in your actions to do the speaking for you. And it's so incredible to see the correlation between your business and the person that you are. You know, they, they say so often that entrepreneurs build businesses that are direct references of themselves. Right. And it's so true, Eric, man, it's so true. Yeah. I think the ones that last for sure have, have an essence of you inside them. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think it's so interesting, right? And on your website, there's a great write-up and it reads, everything I've created for the last decade is made up of ones and zeros and ceases to exist when electricity isn't available. This ephemeral nature of my life's work is the reason Jay Stark was born. So there's an affinity you have with this old romantic idea of handmade goods and pure craftsmanship. Tell me a little bit about that, you know, that love for maybe this era in, in, in life and, and particularly maybe the, the story behind the name, Jay Stark. Sure. Uh, so the, the name Jay Stark is uh, Jim Stark. It's the character that James Dean played in Rebel Without a Cause. And I really wanted a common ground for everyone to start on to relate to this brand. And the older you get, you know, some people go to college, other people don't go to college, certain people travel abroad, other people's other people don't. And so you start to have these different experiences that you can't really connect on later on in life. But we all have that high school, that grade school experience where uh, we're still wet from the mold and, and scars definitely get a little bit deeper because we are wet from the mold. And you also have this uh, great blending of emotions, you know, fitting in yet trying to be an individual, falling in love, getting your heart broken, dealing with authority. And, uh, I love those very thick, raw emotions that you deal with at that time and everyone's gone through them. So that's a great connecting point. Right. And, and it's cool to see the transfer, um, as well. And there's something cathartic I would imagine by that craftsmanship process of just immersing yourself into the creation of the piece, right? Absolutely. Uh, you find what you love and you sort of give yourself to it. And I find the best products that I make are the ones that I, I've slowed down. Uh, I've let my mind come to rest and really put my mind into the product that I'm working on at the time. Do you feel like that um, ideology correlates to the process of entrepreneurialism as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, I mean, there's, there's so much to be said about starting your own business. Um, I think everyone should do it, but I definitely don't think everyone's made for it. Right. (laughs) 
there's certain ups and downs, certain um, really low times that you have to you have to sort of weather those those low times and, and have a tremendous amount of uh, belief in yourself and your idea. And another brick wall gets put up in front of you and you basically just run right through that thing. Right. So let's talk a little <laughs> bit about those brick walls, because creating space is about overcoming your fears. Right. It's about understanding that those ideas, those constructs that you have in your mind, they don't exist. They're actually just you creating that. So let's talk about some of the harder moments you've had in this industry, which I would imagine in the, the, the playing field that you're in is it, it's, it's so niche based that I'm sure there's tons of, of, of trials and tribulations that you've been through that have kind of molded you and your company. Can you, can you walk us through one or two that stick out in your mind? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I have a great story about a trade show that I went to. But before that, I want to touch very briefly on the fear aspect of things. And I think, you know, especially me coming from a different background, you coming from a different background, you can get paralyzed by the amount of options. And I think the best thing to do is just start in another direction and try it as a hobby. And if that doesn't work out after a couple months, try another thing. But you got to start. You just got to get at it and try something different. Um, You have to want... You have to see and want that happiness on the other side of things more than you fear it, and and uh, that'll lead you definitely to a new profession. There's something so powerful about the visualization process and having such an emotional attachment to that vision that no matter how many times you get knocked down, you have this idea for the future, and you'll continue to pick yourself back up and run straight into that brick wall that you referenced earlier until you find a crack, and then somehow that crack gives you enough wherewithal <laughs> to keep running at it because you can break through it eventually, right? Absolutely. So that the trade show that I went to, we're talking about uh, obstacles, having a small business or being an entrepreneur. So my first trade show, you know, I've been making goods and selling them online, selling them in pop-up shops. And so I developed this new line, had it all packed up, shipped it up to New York. It's an incredible expense for a small business and and my business is self-funded. So it's even even more of an important thing that this goes well. Right. So so I get there. I set up my booth, and uh, I was feeling really good. It was my first trade show. Confident in the line that I had produced, and I look. There's a guy next to me, leather goods. Look to the guy right in me, leather goods. I was like, shit. The market's <laughs> already saturated, but I didn't know it, you know, until I until I got up there. So in that sense, it was a great that money that I spent on that trade show was an amazing learning experience to see what was out there. And so at that point, I pivoted my business that day um, to become a bag business, threw all my leather goods in the back, bags in the front, and uh, yeah, just struck out making more bags at that point. That's an excellent observation there that sometimes experiences mold the direction that you go in our lives, right? And in it forever changes the way you feel about what you're doing and you know how you feel about the competition around you. Did you did you outsell all of the the leather goods around you <laughs> that day? Tell me about that. Uh I think I did all right, you know. Um it, it just happened that the barrier to entry for leather goods is so small. Anyone could get leather and really work on it. But right. to make to make a bag takes seven, eight prototypes. You're probably talking two to three months before uh, you go from an idea, a sketch, to the actual physical bag that goes out into the world. So tell me about that ideation process. Where do you find your inspiration? Um, I, I find it everywhere. You know, um, I probably don't have bags that look, look like cars, but I find so much design inspiration in cars because 
every small detail has to be thought out, has to fit together um, to make it work correctly and look look really good. So modern cars, contemporary cars? All, all, all kinds, yeah. Really? No way. Yeah. I definitely have some favorites. The 65 Mustang is amazing. The 68 Mustang Fastback. 69 that thing is real deal holy field um <laughs> such a cool direction because we all draw our creativity and inspiration from different places i never would have thought that a leather bag inspiration would come from a vehicle so oh, interesting to hear that um you you make other things other goods wallets uh, what what are some other the goods that you have found to be your sweet spot and you can tell by market research that people are really interested in um, in, in, in purchasing from you? Yeah. So last year, I uh, worked on a home line of goods and it was essentially taking the same idea with my bags using really thick, hardy materials, um, sort of unisex and aesthetic and bringing that to market. And I think there is sort of something that was missing in, in that um, realm of things. Now, I'm not saying necessarily masculine goods, but anywhere in the middle of masculine and feminine. There weren't a lot of home goods, um, so that seemed to do pretty well last year. That's incredible. Give me an example of, of a home goods, um, the, the variety of home goods that you offer. Yeah, so we, we did a candle line, which incorporated a lot of the smells actually from the shop. So you'd have leather in there or even some like fresh fabric smell in, in some of the candles. And then we worked on some chambray towels um, that are just really, really hardy, will last a long time. But also, uh, you could pick them up 10 years from now, and, and they'd still look good in that kitchen, no matter if you put wallpaper on, painted it, or did whatever. It has that timeless uh, feel to it. Absolutely. There's a lot of integrity that's wrapped around your business in all different facets, right? It really simple, integral pieces of art that you make, that you produce, and that you sell. And you're communicating a story about Eric Holmberg. Let's, let's dive a little bit further into that story. Um, what are some aspects in your life you think that have molded your taste for detail and your love for, for craftsmanship? Uh, that's a great question. So two totally odd and weir- uh, unrelated things. So I think that building and creating goes back to you know, like our caveman days, to be honest, you know, sure. you had, you had to build a home, you had to climb trees, you had to find food, like all those things were very physical and, and, and manually driven, you use your hands. And, and so I think we, we still have a lot of that in us. And, um, as, as far as attention to detail, that's something that I brought over from the software world, because if anything goes wrong, especially if you work on an e-commerce site or some back-end banking system, you know, people are going to be out money and you're going to hear about it right, real right. quick. So I definitely brought that over, um, the fine attention to detail. And I think that's helped me gain a small, tiny foothold. You know, I should have no business competing with guys like Herschel and Filson, but I'm sort of carving out my, my niche down here in the Southeast um, and growing it in turn. And I'm doing that by the quality of the manufacturing and the materials that I use. There's something to be said about reliability this day and age, you know, with the digital age coming to fruition and a a new iPhone every six months, the durability being extremely low quality. There's something so important about that old timey, um, integral piece of, of good, 
that you can purchase <laughs> and that you can rely on for years to come, right? Um, talk to me about that. You know, your affinity with the ro- the romantic industrial age and the time um, of of you know, society then, are you fearful of where the direction of society is heading as, you know, 3D printers are now producing and taking jobs from, from human beings and, you know, how this all is accelerating, times are accelerating with the digital age? Oh, yeah. In terms of a romanticism, I absolutely look back on those, those old days and those titans, uh, you know, the Rockefellers uh, building those industries up. But I think the new sort of leaders in, in manufacturing will combine the old methods with the new methods. So there has to be a blend of technology. And I guess my dream or hope is that I can leverage technology so that I can not need certain people to perform certain jobs and then use that money to pay people manufacturing a higher wage, almost like a salary and benefits. You know, that, that would be my ideal dream. Um, is to be able to pay people that rate because the, the work is noble and what they're making is is great and good for society. Absolutely, I think being able to pay your uh, your workers a, a legitimate salary and giving them benefits is such a noble cause, and it goes back to the integrity. You know, you you want your company to be built from the ground up with people who represent your same core values. When you talk about leadership and you talk about core values, tell me a little bit about your leadership tendencies and how you choose to make high level decisions on the direction of your company and the decisions that you make when you know in your interpersonal relationships in and around the business yeah so i think a great book to mention here is e-myth uh and it basically talks about small businesses and as they grow up in the shift from working in your business to working on your business and i think you know i've been in existence two and a half years and now i'm finally able to pick my head up and start thinking more long term you know doing more strategy more visionary stuff and um so I de- definitely wanted to mention that book's been been instrumental in helping me sort of work on my business so and approach it. E-Myth, who's the higher. author of that book? Um, I don't have it on me, but uh, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a curveball at you there. E-Myth, yeah. um, I'll definitely add that into the show notes for the listeners who are interested in that bridge between um, near and far sighted goals and visions for your mm-hmm. company. Um, what are some of the things that you think? will be that something that we can expect in the future as you continue to to scale and and work up your vertical. Yeah, so I just got this amazing new space down here in Charleston which is going to be a hybrid workshop and retail. So, I'm excited for people to come in and be able to try on our bags. Most, you know, we've been mostly selling in boutiques across the country and uh, online, but now people will be able to experience it here in Charleston in the workshop and really see how we're influenced um, by the city that we're in. Yeah, there's something so historical. It just fits. Charleston just fits you and what <laughs> you're doing, your your vision. I want to get into some of the more direct questions, Eric. And if I were to ask you, what would be your level of mastery? And what would it be that you could give to the Creating Space Tribe as, as far as your mindset, maybe in you know uh, collaboration with some of the experiences? What do you think your, your level of mastery lies most closely to um, in, in, in your mindset? You know, I think the thing to pass on to the people that listen to your podcast is uh, 
how important it is to really find what you love to do and, and not, not stop searching until you get there. Um, honestly, because once you do, there's this, there's this vibration, this inner hum that, that is like this harmony. I think I, I think I told you about it, this harmony that you have inside you at that point, um, that makes everything a lot easier. You just walk through life a lot lighter when that happens. Tell me the difference between the Eric Holmberg before he found this harmony, before he found this level of vibration, and then what happened when that level of vibration was, uh, I, I don't know, did you choose it, Eric, or did it choose you? You know, I, I, I guess I say that we found each other. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. But, but when that happens, I definitely gave myself to it. Um, so before that, that you know, you you might walk around with a scowl or a frown and not even know it because uh, you're just not unhappy with where you're at, even though you're telling yourself you're happy. And um, you know, I, I think I have this problem with authority, not in the sense that uh, you know I'm going to fight my boss or anything like that. But when I have ideas, when there is a barrier between me. Uh, getting that idea out into the world, that's when I have this uh, this discord or um, opposite of harmony inside me. And so I had that as long as I was working underneath somebody. Right. What do you think is uh, something that you can give that will kind of illuminate your process that moves you from discord that you're talking about, maybe when there's a block between an idea and implementation or how to move from one space where you're stuck and where you can't find it, or there's fear in between. What are some things, uh, habits that you have that push you from one side <laughs> to the other? couple of things. I always repeat this quote to myself. Um, and it's, it's about action and it's basically goes, I'm going to totally butcher it too. Um, uh, action always generates inspiration. Inspiration seldomly generates uh, action. So it basically means like, don't wait for it. You know how other writers or artists, they usually talk about waiting for inspiration to strike them. But I just, I just get down to it. You know, I start making a bag and I might put two shitty bags and get them out of my system. And the third bag is going to be golden. Love it. And it, ha- it happens because I just sat down and worked through it. Um, so that's how I work through it in terms of the creative process. I think more people just need to be comfortable taking action and, and making mistakes. At the end of the day, people will fail to start because they don't want to make mistakes. And some of the best decisions I have made in my life have been directly following a massive <laughs> mistake, you know, Absolutely. And, um, and, and no one shoots a hundred percent, right? It, not even Jordan shot a career average of over 40%. I think Jordan's career average might've been right around 40%, which means 60% of the shots that Michael Jordan, the greatest basketball player that ever lived, 60% of those shots he missed. Right? Yeah. So Eric, you know what? I, I, there's such an appreciation for your mindset and there's so few people this day and age who come from such an integral, um, the core valued place, value driven place. As, as we round this creating space podcast out, I want to ask you a couple of things. Number one, what do you think is the most valuable asset to a company? Is it actually their product or is it the way they communicate? Or what do you think is the most valuable piece to a, a, a company and even more so the leaders of the company? I think uh, connection for me personally in my business is the is the most important thing. You know, 
from start to finish, the way we way we talk with people, the way we interact with people, and the way we build our products, that that connection that's formed there could last a lifetime. And that's what excites me. That's what keeps me going. And I always work on all aspects of that connection with the person buying our goods. Yeah, there's. I've seen you in. I have 100% seen you in the process of that, um, all the way from the eye contact into the explanation of the goods. Eric, you're built to do this, and there's no doubt about that. Um, I also want to want to open up a little piece. I think you work most closely with your girlfriend there at J Stark, and she's in and absorbed in it and helping you within that. What's the dynamic like of having a, a loved one working so closely with you? And you talk about connection and communication. That's obviously something very valuable in that dynamic within your company. Yeah, it's it's an amazing opportunity. I think if you can do it, you should definitely do it. If you right. can't do it, you definitely shouldn't do it. <laughs> um, but uh, it's like having an equal, a confidant. Um, and, you know, I've been trying to find people. Um, sewing is a skill that's kind of gone out of fashion. Um, no pun intended, <laughs> but when manufacturing went overseas in the eighties, we lost basically 10, 15 years of people sewing. So it's starting to come back slowly and I'm excited to be a part of that. Um, but she has those skills as well. Um, very, very adept seamstress. So from running the books to selling to merchandising to sewing, you know, she's got it all. Holy smoke. She's basically running the company there alongside you. That's, that's incredible. Um, Eric, it's been a, a huge pleasure. I, I want to be able to promote you and your new brick and mortar space there in Charleston. For those who are in the creating space tribe and are listening to and, and really awestruck by the mindset of Eric and want to know more about Jay Stark, where can they find you, Jay Stark, specifically in your brick and mortar space in Charleston and also in the digital age, how can they connect with you? Yeah, so we're downtown on the peninsula at 206 coming street it's right across from five loaves cafe if you ever had a little lunch or dinner there um and online you can find us at at stark made on instagram twitter and just google j stark we're barely ever on twitter or facebook mostly on instagram um mostly working in the shop so we don't have time to tweet if you guys look at the aesthetic of the instagram page it's like a magazine the guy is talented he understands aesthetics <laughs> eric as we as we shoot you off tell me this what is one thing that if you could leave with the Creating Space tribe as you as as we part ways, what would be some value punch information that you would love to leave with the Creating Space tribe? People who are looking to find their their avenues in life and push through that that place. Just two things. First is that, you know, I mentioned it before, just never stop searching for what you truly love to do. Um, because I know you'll find it if you if you continue to search for it. And, uh, if you put positivity out in the world, you will be paid back unbelievably tenfold right back to you. 100%. I, there's something about feedback loops, whatever you put out, you'll loop right back in and it'll come your way. Good, bad, or indifferent. You have the choice, right, Eric? And True. That's a creating space mindset. That's why it's so important for me to bring you on the show. And listen, man, I'm so excited to watch Jay Stark explode. I do have um, a foreshadowing. I'm wanting to put together a gratitude journal 
for creating space <laughs> for the creating space tribe. And there's only one guy I'm going to for a leather bound gratitude journal. So, um, for you guys who have seen this thing grow collaboration, not competition is the mindset. And I really hope to be able to work on a personal and professional basis with, with Eric Holmberg and Jay Starks, uh, you know, quality leather goods moving forward. All right, Eric. Thanks so much, Wes. Um, I love what you do. And, uh, Man, honestly, you're an inspiration in terms of being positive and, and helping helping out people around you. So keep doing that. Well, I hope I can stay consistent on that because every now and again, you know, as well as I know, you want to punch a wall. But it, listen, <laughs> the more the more good you put out, the more it comes back, just like you said. And Eric, man, Absolutely. I appreciate you coming on a Creating Space. You are a legend. All right. Thanks, Wes. Passion, value, craftsmanship. And when I think about Eric Holmberg, the one word that comes to mind integrity. And that's what I want to leave you guys with today. I want you to ask the question, are you honest when it comes to the conversations that you have? Are you speaking and being integral with your word whenever it comes to your interpersonal relationships or even with yourself when it comes to the responsibilities and the promises that you've made to yourself, whether that be for today, for the past week, for the past year, or in the future? I want you guys to ask that question. Are you acting integrally and Can you improve on that piece of your life specifically today? Live a bit more intentionally. Have more of a standard for yourself and the quality that you want to have and expect for yourself moving forward. And I think Eric Holmberg can teach us a little bit about that, both through his story, but more so through the attention to the detail in every single piece that he constructs there at JSTART. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in to Creating Space. Make sure to share this episode with any of those people who you feel may have such a delicate eye for detail. I think they'll really appreciate Eric's mindset. I know I have. Please reach out to me. Make sure you share this podcast. Leave us a comment. Make sure you reach out to Eric Holmberg. Let him know how much you appreciate him coming on to Creating Space and all of the great work he's doing there in Charleston, South Carolina. Have a great rest of your week. I'll see you on Monday for Mindset Monday.